it's the three best friends that anyone could have. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Frad, how the heck are you doing? Yeah, how are you? I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well, you know, uh, really, really well. Um, the Lord is doing beautiful. You know what it's like when the Lord is doing work in your life. It's like it's good, it's messy, but it's good. So I'm doing really well. What new things are going on with Pints with Aquinas? Um, we are doing kind of in-person interviews every week now. So um, we just kind of have people on a schedule flying into Pittsburgh, staying here in Steubenville. I got a full-time video audio guy now um so it's beautiful there are times that i there's, a, there's times where there's a part of me that just wants this whole thing to burn down <laughs> that, there it is there it is there's, I don't, there's <laughs> the melancholic frat <laughs> i miss you <laughs> yeah man it's like and i don't know if that's because like maybe i'm falling into like a, a like it's a it's an act and i want to be free to be myself and it's like well what does that say you know, and I, and I just get tired of the online world. But then there's there's other times where I think I'm I'm so ungrateful, and I should be more grateful. Like if somebody else built Pints with Aquinas from the ground up, and it was at this stage, and then handed it to me, and I was as grateful to them as I am to me for the work I put into this, I, like they should be offended, you know. <laughs> so, um, but you know, yesterday I had Jonathan Edwards on the show, and he's got such a powerful conversion. He was doing cocaine for 17 years. Uh, he was doing it behind his wife's back. He gets thrown in jail, has a wow. huge wake-up call. And it was just the most oh, wow. perfect, most beautiful interview. And I just thought, God, thank you for allowing me to do this and just kind of get people's story and wisdom out there. So anyway, that's a long way to say that even though I feel conflicted, I'm very grateful for, for what I'm doing here with Pints. Are you going to go to uh, Africa anytime soon for your um, evangelization or the apologetic stuff? Is that getting back up? So... Um, so I this year because of COVID they said not to come. But what I did was I sent a couple of hundred books of Trent Horns, why we're Catholic to them, and then I did like a virtual conference with them. So um, I'd like that to happen, but you know it kind of depends on what the world's doing, what the COVID laws are doing. Yeah, what the Illuminati, what they say we can and can't <laughs> do. It's very yeah. <sighs> Um, yeah, Pope it, it Francis was... at the helm. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did y'all see that thumbnail from Taylor Marshall? And it was uh, Pope Francis shaking the hand of Nancy Pelosi. And there was a big arrow pointing to their handshake. And it was like, is this a Masonic handshake? And I was like, Good oh, my you. gosh, this is why I can't have him on my show. Good for you. <laughs> like, at least you're going full. I mean, just go full, go full like, tilt. If his an- it, 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 even if his answer was, no, don't be silly. It's like, well, but it was still leading everybody to think that you thought it was. I don't know. I didn't watch it. But. You know, it's, I, I have no idea what's going on in his headspace. And I um, have, once I've like removed myself from all, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm not on like, I'm on Facebook just for an event in uh, on November. So I can go to a uh, U.S. men's um, soccer team party uh, just to see like what's going on. And I'm, but I'm not on anything else. I don't check anything. When did you get and, off Twitter? Because I remember that was like a real source of consternation for you, wasn't it? Two weeks ago. Like two weeks ago. Did you delete it? Yeah, it's gone. Like the Catchy Foxes stuff, it's all gone. Congratulations. Thank you. It was so cool, man. It was really like, and it just. um, It's just a garbage heap. St. Paul would not have been on Twitter. 
He had way I'm, too much yeah. common sense. Yeah. I'm starting to get to the point where I think that it uh, is just not that the technology in and of itself is inherently bad, although I think there's probably a discussion to be had about that. But I, I think it just takes a lot more depth and time and than I have. Uh, but I do think that it has gotten to a point where for the culture, it, I think the good outweighs the bad clearly. I think the bad, most people are seeing out the good. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. That the, the bad clearly outweighs the yeah. good. And so like, I just like something like to like Taylor Marshall, who for me was been like this, a source of a lot of anger, I would say. And just because I'm seeing it in, in, on people's lives, like I'm seeing the friendships that are being torn. And I think that's, I probably haven't done a good job of this on the podcast, but that's some stuff that I have expressed on here where I'm just like so angry all the time. Cause I'm like, well, it's because it's ruining lives. Like it's actually, I'm not saying like everyone who follows Killer Marshall, this is happening. Uh, but I am saying that I'm seeing a thing now where because of the division that is in the church, because of all these things, and you could say that, I don't know, we're probably not making this any better. I'm not, I'm not trying to blame him, but I am saying that what he's doing is a part of what's going on in this sort of like rift, which sometimes I think that just kind of has to happen with within, within, certain things to like. I mean, there are definitely a lot of things that like we probably have thought was okay in the church that we're starting to be like, ooh, maybe not, you know, in terms of how we like liturgy or just like, you know, how we view orthodoxy or like other things like that or what things in the past that I was okay with. And maybe now I'm like, you know, I'm like, to be honest, I'm a little bit more uncomfortable in the past than I have been with praying over people. You know, something I still think God has, I think like when I've done it, Especially during college, I saw God, I saw him like use that in ways that I thought was pretty powerful. And I definitely agree with it. I, I think that it is a thing, but there is something to it as well where I'm much more reserved would be the wrong word, but like I'm not carefree with it the way that I was in the past where I'd pray over anyone at any point in time about like anything. Now I'm like, well, if I'm not in a state of grace, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, Luke, I'm just trying to get tater tots at the cafeteria. You don't have to pray over me. <laughs> And he's like, I don't know. You keep making bad decisions. Too much ketchup. Ah! I, I don't know. I mean, I and, and I and my, but my whole point of all that is like, in, in the in the short time that I've actually been, um, I've been uh, removed from all this. I don't have that. I think I would have seen that Pope Francis thing and just been like, so is Nancy Pelosi like? Is she just? I'm, I'm not a human being. <laughs> like, is that the, that like because she's a human being and we have to at least respect that fact? Like, she's Catholic. She's in a huge opposition. Of course, she's going to meet the Pope. Like, and I don't, and she drives me insane. Like probably more than almost any other politician. She drives me absolutely insane with the way she uses her Catholicism. But I, now that I'm I'm removed from that, I'm a little bit just more like, I just don't, I don't have time to care about this. And that could be, that could be really, that could be really wrong on my part. Well, good for you for getting off it. You know? uh, during COVID and the pandemic and like the worst of the pandemic, I removed myself from all the news sources, from all that stuff. I just completely, it was a conscious effort to not be fed misinformation campaigns by our institutional media. And then also to, I, I had already stepped back from Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. And to burn those accounts and to walk away from them, I can honestly say that compared to my peers, I have emerged or I have dealt with it and emerged a much happier, saner person in the middle of it. Because I, I don't think a human mind that, you know, came from the bush and the jungle and, you know, like farming and all this stuff was meant to be able to understand every sad event that's happening in the world all at one time and yet still not know my next door neighbor. 
Um, I don't think that I don't think that makes sense. So I think that the the rage and anxiety and um, all the things that we have is is what we should properly feel if these things were being done by or done to our next door neighbor, right? The person mm. in the tent or the hut or the building or the farm next door, if they were being hurt or attacked or whatever, I should feel that righteous rage and indignation and all that stuff. But I think like you know. It's easier to know more about what's going on in Zambia, Africa today or what's going on in Washington, D.C. than my own neighborhood. But it still taps into those hardwired emotional response things that is that makes sense if my neighbor was hurting or makes sense if my neighbor was being an insane person. Right. Like and the fact that we globalize our emotions is is what I'm coming to. Like it just it's a bankrupt situation. Digital minimalism it has to be a way of life or we're mm. going to kill ourselves. Well, just just getting a dumb phone, ever since I've had a dumb phone since the start of August, I haven't listened to a podcast. Like, uh, I was about uh, to ask you that. Yeah, like I haven't listened to one of your shows since then. Yeah, we're going to put it all on vinyl and send it to you. Yeah, yeah well, you haven't that, missed much. That would be super hipster. It'd be cool. Yeah, no, it, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's almost like it's the avenue through which we digest a ton of stuff we really, really don't need to. I mean, I don't mean to say that my podcast or your podcast isn't beneficial to people. I think it is. I think we think it is or else we wouldn't do it. But the the analogy I use is just like I would probably never eat McDonald's again if the drive through didn't exist. Like I wouldn't go in and sit there like some loser. Uh, I'm, only, I'm being hyperbolic. But, you know, the, the coffee's uh, good. Um, just like I wouldn't do that. Like I, I wouldn't I actually don't. I would never sit down to listen to a to many podcasts because i just wouldn't that's the only option i have right like on my smart tv here in my office i could open it up on youtube and sit down and watch an hour of ben shapiro or something but like i just wouldn't do that so it it's, it's almost like the smartphone facilitates a bunch of noise that we really don't need in our head um, and that's 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 been one of the unexpected side effects of getting it is just it was like an unintentional unplugging from all of those voices good or bad do you what have you seen because of that I've seen how I make excuses for not praying like I should, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I find I have a lot more time. And then I'm like, am I am I really kind of praying an hour a day? Like, it, like, am I doing that? And I'm not often. So why not? Um, so it's it's easier. It's harder to make excuses. The other thing that's really cool is like, I'll I'll shut off my computers tonight, like every night here at the office, and I'll go home to my house, and I don't have any technology there as far as technology in the sense that connects to the internet. Nothing, nothing. Oh, really? Nothing? Well, my, we have a desktop computer, but my wife has the password to it, and she knows I don't want it. So I, when I go home, you know, I have these thoughts in my head like, oh, I wonder how that video is doing. Or I wonder if that guy emailed me back. Or, I, you know, <clears throat> whatever. And, but I can't do anything about it. Whereas before, these were all little thoughts in my head that would lead to a five-minute, ten-minute distraction. That just mm-hmm. kept interrupting the night, kept kept interrupting my conversation with my wife or me playing with my kids or whatever. Whereas now it's like I clean the kitchen and there's I I literally put a record on as hipster as that is, but 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 it's a it's a it's a record with Bluetooth. So I have a Bluetooth speaker, so that makes it less cool. Whew, thank God. So like I'll, I'll listen to that uh, and I'll, I'll you know I'll play that one you know like Bonavere right and I'll play like one side of his record three times in a row while I'm cleaning because I couldn't be bothered turning it over, turning the record over. You know, so it's just, I like that. I like that. And and even it's very, like the other night, what happened was my wife was in France. She was part of a pilgrimage um, 
so she didn't have to pay, which was really helpful. And and while she was there, I just I felt kind of lonely, like I missed her a lot. Um, and I realized that the laptop that I got rid of during my August internet fast was two doors down at my friend Dr. Mike Welker's house. And I had it's like oh. been th- three months, and I and I forgot about it. And I'm like, you know what? Tonight I'd really like to just watch a couple of episodes of this or that. And that, and that just seemed like beautiful and saving to me. I was just like, God, that just sounds like salvation right now. So yeah, I'm just going to do that. So I, I got the kids to bed early and I cracked open that laptop lid and I'm, I watch an episode of Seinfeld, you know, and, and I'm just kind of like bored. Like I don't even really, this is kind of funny, but I don't, it is very funny, I guess, but I've seen it before. What am I doing? And then I remember that like racist rant that Michael Richards went on and I'm wondering how he's doing. And now I'm on YouTube watching the racist rant and cringing. And then I, and now I'm on comedians in cars getting coffee where he addresses that with, and then I quickly shut the laptop lid because I know if I don't, I'll spend another hour just wasting life. And I just was completely unrested. And so even though having the technology away from me sometimes doesn't it's, it causes agitation because I, I want it it's not like now i have a now i'm super calm and peaceful it's it's just like it, it's better without it even though it's not always great yeah do you think like are by what we're doing are we making all this worse what we i think that people's lives would be better if they got off the internet and never listened to pints with aquinas again but I, I think as long as they're going to be lame and have the internet and they're going to be lame and listen to YouTube <laughs> like I do, well, I think I do provide something worth worth watching. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. You, with as with you guys, I think you guys are worth listening to and I think you're helpful and you help people process things. But I think if they quit the internet and started processing with a small group of people about what's happening in the church, their lives would be better than if they were listening to Catching Foxes and on the internet. So I don't have a very sanguine view of Pints with Aquinas. I've been really wrestling with that because in my interview with Dave Rubin, you know, he talked very glowingly and, and very hopefully about the great work he's doing and how he sees his role and how he helps people. And I thought to myself, God, I wish I felt that way. And maybe I should feel that way because I do have a lot of people writing to me saying they've been blessed and converting and all this stuff. But I just think it sucks. I think I think I would instead of Exodus 90, I think we should do it like a Luddite 90 where we get offline and we don't drive a car and we go bankrupt altogether. <laughs> <laughs> we go bankrupt. <laughs> our sponsor today is our friends over at faithinvestors.com. Visit faithinvestors.com slash foxes to download a free guide on finances and the Christian life. In today's world, it is more important than ever that we actively live out our faith in every aspect of our lives. In Centesimus Anus, St. Pope John Paul the Great tells us, even the decision to invest in one place rather than another, in one productive sector rather than another, is always a moral and cultural choice. When investing for retirement and savings, this can be daunting. When we don't have the time to spend pouring through prospectuses, that's a hard word, and financial jargon to understand every investment we are making. Most Catholics are unaware that while they are out fighting for an end to abortion, mutual funds that they just bought are investing in those very companies that create abort-efficient drugs and support Planned Parenthood. Faithinvestors.com is an initiative of core capital management and research that helps the faithful manage the four main tenets of a well-ordered Catholic financial life. One, aligning your investments in retirement with your Christian values. Two, giving good charities that support Christian values. Three, safeguarding your family's future. And four, securing the future of the local church. Your financial actions can reflect your moral and Catholic life so that, as the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace says, even the economy and progress can be transformed into places of salvation and sanctification. Core Capital, who brings us faithinvestors.com, 
is a SEC registered Houston based investment advisor that works with individuals, businesses, churches, and charities around the country. Core Capital has been ranked as one of the top wealth advisors with no minimums by the Houston Business Journal from 2015 to 2021. That's right, no minimums. They believe that everyone deserves professional financial advising. John Barry, a senior partner at Core Capital and faithful listener to the show and personal friend of mine, launched faithinvestors.com to help fellow Catholics take control of their financial lives. Call them today about faith investing at 281-674-7394 or visit them at faithinvestors.com slash foxes to learn more about how to invest according to your faith, how to safeguard your family's future, choose the right charities that support your beliefs and carry out the work of the church, and to ensure your parish's financial future is secure. That's faithinvestors.com slash foxes. Thanks to our good friends over at Faith Investors for sponsoring this show. I want there. I think you're right in the sense of like that, like what we are providing is good. And there are other good, good things out there. But one thing that I really have a hard time with is when you start to read a lot of um, Ratzinger and like, and like a lot of Balthasar, it can be kind of easy to start having like a tinfoil hat and be like, wait a second, is it all just techne? But, but then you see like this sort of, and what I mean by that is when you start to take a step back and kind of see the world for how it really is in reality, you start to see how so much that's going on in the world and in the church, you could just change the verbiage and everyone's trying to do the same thing, which is be the powerful person who's on top. And like, that's so anti-Christian. Yeah. I think you know, it's, and yeah. it's, and that's, it's, a, it's, it's really, it's a difficult place to be Ugh. in. Yeah. Even just like, even like making YouTube that little bit more successful, like makes me, I, I'm disgusted by myself. Yeah, like I, I know what you mean, man. Like there's more podcasts than there are people now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we're in uh, the sub 1,000 of overall Apple podcasts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, man. So that means we get to go to heaven quicker. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Cal Newport, he's a guy that I love. I listen to a lot of his um, – well, I've read yeah, his books and, and I listen to his podcasts. And he, Digital Minimalism, Deep Work. And his last book was called The World Without Email. And deep work, the kind of the basic premise is in order to do cognitively demanding tasks, you need to carve out uninterrupted time to do it. And he goes through in his blog and he showcases all these authors who, for many of them, they had to go out to the woods in order to write. Or one guy would build a little lap desk and he would row his boat into the middle of a lake so that no one could bother him. And he would just (laughs) write. And you have so many people that do this. And it's actually – Deep Work is almost entirely a modern adaptation of um, – Matt, I, w- I want to say that you talked about this. But um, the priest who did uh, – the the Dominican priest in like the 1920s who wrote um, The Intellectual uh, yeah. Life on the intellectual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's literally an adaptation of that. And he gives him credit in Deep Work um, – about it, but in digital minimalism, he says these things that I thought were really interesting. He says, you can't just go on a sabbatical and then return to the normal workaday world of being constant. He calls it the, the hyperactive high mind, where you're just plugged into a million people screaming at you all the time. But mm-hmm. on Saturday or Sunday, whatever your religious observant is, you go dark on the technology. He's like, it's not enough. It's not enough to do a once a month fast or once a year, month long fast. And he brings this up. And he says it has to be the way of life, and you have to have principles mm-hmm. that protect yourself. And his principles essentially are, and and this, you know, talking about your luddite, he applies this, and this is an, an Amish principle. But essentially, does this new technology 
make easier things that I'm already doing, make better things that I'm already doing, and does it doing it better and easier improve me as a human person? And if both of those answers aren't yes, then you reject it. He said, the problem with the phone is, yes, it makes watching episodes of, um, you know, Marty Morphin Power Rangers easier. But when you were a kid, you weren't, you might have snuck out once or twice to watch a show, like after your parents went to sleep or something like that. Um, but you weren't grabbing your television and bringing it into bed with you and watching it all night long and have an inability to turn it off and next episode, next episode. He says, that's the difference. So even though it made it easier, it didn't make it better. It actually made your life worse. So get rid of that app. Get rid of that thing. Get rid of that. So he talks about on his phone, all he has is an audiobook app, you know, the text messaging, phone calling, and, um, and driving directions. Basically like your phone that you have, Matt. He, he has an iPhone, but it's 100%. Like he's deleted all the Apple apps. He's deleted everything he can delete. So he's like, I, don't, I just need this as a tool to communicate with the people the way that helps me communicate, yeah. and that's it. Well, well, one thing, and that's and that's great, and I wish we were more courageous to do this a bit more quicker than we're doing it, both you and me. You know, like I love that you guys got off social media, uh, and I love that I got a dumb phone, but I think much more has to happen. Um, <sighs> what was I going to say? I don't know. I, I, You know, it's funny when you say that. Like, I don't. In a certain sense, like I am not, I am not okay with throwing away my phone because I know that my phone doesn't own me in a lot of ways. Like when I go home, I put my phone on the counter, I plug it in to charge up and I'm, and I'm with my family. I'm with my kids. When I'm watching a TV show, I have zero temptation to constantly check my phone. I'm not one of those people who, because I have access to it, I have to constantly turn to it. And my, my notifications are already so limited and, you know, they have to earn their place on my phone that if I get a ding or a bing, it's either I – mean, it's something that I feel free to ignore 100%. And so my wife, she'll hop on her phone while we're watching a television show and I'll be like, honey, who are you with, me or them? And she'll – I bet she loves that. Oh, well, you know, it's funny because then she immediately goes <laughs> and she just deleted several apps and she goes, I realize goes, it's, it's – I choose them. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't blame you. Uh, but she Aww. she's deleted a bunch of apps because she's like, I'm medicating. That's what I'm doing. I'm medicating. Yeah, man. Bless her for seeing that. That's yeah. what I was going to tell you. When I got my dumb phone, I actually changed numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, You may have realized that. If you, I, I really apologize if you texted me ever and thought I was ignoring you. No, that's okay. I only cried twice. But but what I realized was, like, I've given my number out to every human being (laughs) I've met for the last twelve years, and I don't I don't want them to just text me. Like, I don't. So I got this phone, and I um I think I gave you I think I gave you all the number, didn't I? I had that. So, but I I I sent my new number to about twelve people, and then got rid of my smartphone and and knew in my head just like throughout that month of August that people would be texting me and calling me and thinking I'm ignoring them, but it's worth it. It's worth them thinking I'm ignoring them. I don't want them to think that. And whenever I can, I'd like to let them know. I so did that. And honestly, I want to get to the point where I get rid of my car and don't drive anymore. And if I'm driving, it's like driving to the airport, but I don't want to go to the airport either. Like I'm saying no to every speaking <laughs> engagement right now. So yeah. I think this, this is probably the difference between me and Luke and you, Mike, is I think the two of us are like, well, I don't know about, I won't speak for you, Luke, but I'm very melancholic and, right. and, and idealistic. Oh, so it's almost like, like, like if, yeah. if I can't go 150%, <laughs> I may as well have five smartphones. If I can't get rid of my car, I'm a piece of crap. But I actually do want to get rid of my car. Like I'm working towards that now. I want to walk everywhere. I, 
I thought about buying a bike and trying to. I've so cool, before. dude. Let's keep yeah. doing it. I, I want to get there because even though I get so I get super idealistic, try it out, and then get down on myself for returning like a dog to its vomit to the stuff I wanted to get rid of. But every so often, something works. Like five years ago, when I got off social media, or mm-hmm. you know, so it, it I know what you mean. Yeah. Sometimes it works. So I'm glad I'm 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 glad I'm like that. And I agree. I think there are people like you, Goma, who who are you know self controlled and disciplined and can put your phone in its place and it doesn't own you and and good for you. I think there's a lot more people who think that about themselves yeah. Yeah. wrongly. Yeah, yeah. It's that argument of there are certain things that certain people can abstain from or need to abstain, and others can moderate. And for me, I feel like my phone is a thing that I moderate. But for other people, I know it's a thing they have to abstain from. Like Facebook. I have a Facebook page. I have gone on – or account. I've gone on it maybe once in the past two or three months. And when I broke that attachment to social media, I was like, oh, I, I don't care. I don't care about this. I, but it, Twitter, I had to kill. I could cool. not – I couldn't even That's have cool. it in the room because it's the – Yeah, hey, I love that. So it, you couldn't cage it. You had to kill it. Yeah. I, I like yeah. that. Yeah, and because it, it owns too much of my interior life. Yeah. And I was allowing it to. And I know that there are people who are very unhappy with me in terms of I can't they can't have access to me. But it's like, okay, but again, it's the same thing. It's the globalization of our rage and, and our yeah, hurts. They don't and all have a stuff. right. Yeah, it's a time. globalization of expectations. Like you so this is one of the things I'm trying to teach with the with my employees here at the at the office is like when you go home. There is zero expectation from me, your boss, to answer email, to answer anything. Like, if there's an emergency, I will personally call you. But if there is no emergency, ignore everything until 9 a.m. Everything after 4 p.m., you ignore until 9 p.m. And I would also encourage them all the time, don't have your email open all day long. Right, like, don't have your email open all day long. That'll ruin your ability to be productive. Open it at eleven. Open it at two, yeah. and then you're done for the day. Because I don't it even, owns them. I don't even like this idea of getting space in order to be productive. I don't know what I don't like about that, but I don't. Um, I get that certain things have to be produced which benefit people, but there's something about that that makes me feel icky as well. Have you like ever now, gone through a phase where you could read like the Summa easily? And then, like you were no. talking about reading, <laughs> well, you were talking about how you had planned for so long to read. These no, it's Russian true. Authors. Like the Lord of the Rings came really easy. Like me and my friend read it over the summer and uh, memorizing poetry, reading stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's I agree with you, yeah. right? But, but the, I guess when I hear productive, yeah. though, I'm thinking what most people think of. Like, you know, you know what I mean, Luke? I think it's. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, Luke? I well, no, because I. So I think one of the things about. Um, Everything that we have now, we try to have them exist in silos. So, like, you have your God thing, you've got your sports thing, you've got your you have your family thing. I think there's a, there's like so so if you take work, that's a part of like that's been around since before uh, the fall. I'll take your father Mike Schmitz. I heard that on this video last last night. Um, so, work in itself is good. Like the creative act is good, but I think the what sometimes feels odd about it is there's a difference between creation and production. And it's not that production is inherently bad or anything, but I think when it becomes this isolated kind of thing, like here's the spot where I do this thing right here that feels somehow divorced from creation, 
something i think there's there can be a dis a disconnect with that some sometimes so like i actually find that i like recording my podcast more um like that's why i think podcasts are more fun to record in person than they are like like this because there's just a natural element to it of of like i'm with the people we're having a real thing there's like a real experience that is going on and i think and this is fine this is good too like these are people that i like i'm talking with but it's taken like years to get to that that point where you can have it pretty fast i think i think if it's in person so i don't know i i, I don't know what the answer to that is i just think there's like one thing i was gonna ask i was gonna ask you guys to kind of get to like get like your take i was way back when i read this book about uh john adams thomas Jefferson and James Madison and their views on classical education. And they were talking about and, and, and um, the classics themselves, specifically Greece and, uh, uh, or sorry, like um, Greek stuff. And they were talking about how one of the biggest changes that's ever happened was like the church told you what time it was. Mm, and then yeah. we started to yeah, tell yeah. ourselves what, what time that. and how that's a radical shift. That is a radical shift. And I think there is I sometimes I and it kind of and there's other podcasts that I was listening to on on the Art of Millions about time. I mean I've been I've been I'm thinking about those those two things and this idea of like we've made ourselves God a bit in the sense of how we're trying to unmaster time as opposed to time being a thing that like we can, you know, get lost in and then, then the church kind of like can also then draw us back to it's a thing that we've tried to really like make our own. So instead of being saying I'm controlling time, time is still controlling me, but I'm made like my world. Like I'm like, like I'm kind of, I'm kind of kind of like my own God and I'm trying to act like I am the creation that's being, that's trying to be subjective to this thing that I've actually tried to make, which I can't control in the first place. So it's all fake is what I'm saying. Like it's all fake. And so it's just these, it's these abstract ideas that we have in our head that we think are very concrete, but it's not because there's nothing you can do to make more time. There's nothing like you can't, time is not a resource that you can like multiply. And so this thing that we think that we can just impose our will on it, we're not, we're just being like, we're just being in a weird way, a slave to ourselves. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. I'm that is a very stream of conscious. <laughs> no, not in the slightest. Like, but just like, like what, like, like, so like on Matt, when you're done at work, do you go home at a certain time of day or, or are, are you like, I've done my thing and now I'm going back to my family. I've yeah, done my, yeah. like, like, I think that sounds more appealing to me. I see what you mean. I think than yeah. like be being like a, now slave to the 5 p.m. Yeah. ending, which is the thing that like we have made ourselves and we are like, a, we are like five o'clock doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like, it just means that it's a time of day. It's, but I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know where that yeah, is. Yeah, no, that, that, makes, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, here's the time I will work and it's five. So now I will knock off as opposed to, well, maybe I had a light day today and, and can use my time elsewhere. Um, yeah, I tend to go – I am getting into a habit of going to 4 p.m. mass at Franciscan. So I tend nice. to just sort of do things until then. Well, but I mean like I think even in, like even on that sense of like when the church was telling you what time it was, it was quite often to draw you into into prayer. Yeah. Into something that was deep as opposed to just this sort of like um, – I feel like it just makes us machines. Yeah, like it's an artificial way to meet out your day. Well, I mean, the 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 nine to five for the most part being instilled in us by factory work, 
Um, but it, it's usually the, the 12 hours of the day, right? The 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. That followed the, the rhythm of the sun. So while we were agrarians, you wake up and you do your pre-morning chores before sunrise. Then all the stuff that you need natural light for, you go out and do that work, whether it's in the home, in the stable, on the fields, <laughs> or whatever. And then you hear your church bells going off, and you stop and pray the Angelus at 9, noon, and 6, and when you or 9, noon, and 3. And then at 6, you go in for the day because it's almost sunsetting, and you want to eat before dinner you know, with your family in the light, right? And so there was there, there's elements of this that hit the rhythm of the day, your most productive you know, during the daylight, all that good stuff. But it, it become th- the thing that I have a problem with is everything of our environment from beginning to end is so artificial. And it's that, like, hyper-capitalist notion of productivity and production of, like, give me more widgets. How can I get you to give me more widgets? Mm-hmm. And the question then again is, okay, but is this making me a better human person? And is this leading me to holiness, sanctity, community, connectedness? Am I growing in charity? Um and there's so much – I mean, but there are different personalities too. Like when I see some people, you know, people who win the lottery and stuff, and they they don't have enslavement to anyone. They become immediately a slave to themselves and their desires and their whims and their passions because they're not virtuous, right? And so the average lotto winner, I, I think I remember the statistic being about eight years later, they're in bankruptcy regardless of the amount won. So it would be better – you'd be better financially off if you never won the lottery than if you won $100 million, which sounds wow. insane. <laughs> yeah. But – and I think this is a bridge uh, you know, to your book that you just Eight came year out bender. With. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But your book, uh, St. Thomas, The Secret to a Good Life, How to Be Happy, How to Be Happy. Um, Did you read it? Yeah. I, well, I mean, I read a lot of it. <laughs> I literally <laughs> oh, set that's aside. Right. Lying's a sin. No. I set aside <laughs> two hours today to finish th- uh, going through it. And let's just say life at the parish can be very difficult. And yeah. I had four <laughs> meetings, including someone crying oh, in my I'm office. I'm so busy. Um, <laughs> Grown adults crying, and I don't know how to behave around them. But <laughs> I got it over the summer while I was in, in grad school, I think, and so I haven't untouched it. But yeah, I, I never expected Sorry. either of you to read it. In fact, I would have felt bad for you if you did. How's that for a sales pitch? No, I, I want to because <laughs> I am curious about it. Like what? So like what? Like why this book? Like like what is like what did you? I just I like don't know. What, I just um, you know like a lot of people when they think of Thomas Aquinas, they think of his metaphysics or what he has to say about God's existence or just law uh, th- uh, theory, uh, um, war theory. Sorry. Um, but what I found as I was like digging through the Summa to do different episodes was just how brilliant his advice was about happiness. Yeah, hmm. I didn't I didn't realize how how great it was. Um, it's like when your mum says money can't make you happy, you're like, yeah, shut up. It will. I'll prove you and everyone wrong. Wait till my (laughs) twenties. But when Thomas Aquinas says that he gives an argument for it, you're like, well done. That's pretty good. You know, I don't know. So I like that. Um, also, you know, just this, this constant, um, well, Aquinas differentiates between what he calls uh, felicitas and beatitude. Like, so there's imperfect happiness and perfect happiness, and uh, so he says you can't actually be perfectly happy in this life, right? And I like that because so often we feel like screw ups, you know? Like, why can't I just sort of savor this moment, savor this life, savor this relationship, this this date night with my wife, or this? Why why isn't it enough? Damn it, you know? Like. Mm-hmm. I'm on a good stretch right now. Like this is as good as it gets. Why isn't it enough? And um, you know, 
it's not meant to be. It's not a it's not a bug in the system. It's a feature, as it were. So <laughs> I, I like that as well. Well, I think um, so. Since you didn't you even heard our, our on the last episode, I'll I'll, I'll tell you the story because actually I um, saw this and uh, I thought of you. There was a Simpsons episode where uh, like Homer goes, uh, I can't remember what he sees, but he goes, "Oh Lord, what?" He's like staring at this thing that's like on his on his on the ceiling, and he goes, "Oh Lord, why are why are you mocking me?" And like his wife goes. That's a burnt waffle home where she like takes a broom and like scrapes it off the like off the ceiling. And I think when you were I'm talking about that, I think there's it's really easy when you are made for like infinity to think that everything has like an has that weight. Hmm. You know, to think that everything has because like we're made for like to live eternally. Like we're made for like we exist in like a finite um world right, right, right now, and we exist in reality. Sometimes it's just like you're in a rut, you know, you know, and it's just like, sometimes the weather is just weird. Mm. And like some, and I think it's, that's why it's important to like, go back to things like, 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 um, Aquinas or like others and seeing what they're saying, because it kind of, they can point out like, it's just a burnt waffle. Stop acting like it's an existential crisis. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> in the, uh, in the Nicomachean ethics, Aristotle begins by saying that whatever endeavor we engage in, whatever, you know, uh, pursuit we undergo or activity we seek to engage in or whatever um it's almost always for the sake of something else you know um so it's like why are you on this podcast well i wanted to chat with you guys and i wanted to shill my book let's just take take the book one let's just be cynical well why do you want to shill the book well i think it'll be helpful to people um and you know i'm honored if i have something to say that would help people that makes me feel good you know why, why do you why do you want that? I don't know. Like, but eventually, like you, you hit metaphysical bedrock, right? You're like, I just, I don't know. I just want to be happy. Like something like that comes out of your mouth, and you realize that that's the reason you do anything at all. Um, and it, so Aquinas, though, for happy, for, he he's happiness is that what perfects man. So it's not just like a fleeting feeling or something like that. It's it's that which perfects man. And in the Summa, he goes through all of the things we think will do that. So money and power and esteem and goods of the soul, goods of the body, and all of these he shows they actually cannot do that. They cannot make you happy. Like, for example, the one on esteem is good. It's like, you know, so often we want the esteem of other people. Like I'll see a negative comment about why I'm stupid, a limp-wristed, nervous, auto-fag or something. Um, people in YouTube comm sections are great, aren't they? And I, those are their words, not mine, you know. I'm like, oh, well, cool, man. Thanks. I guess I should. <laughs> anyway, you see that and you feel really bad and you think, I, should, I, I, wish, I wish people like said nice things about me, you know. Like, we, I wish people thought I was great, you know. Like, and we all kind of feel that way. But you're like, well, how would that make me happy? Because esteem isn't in me, it's in you. So how can something that's in you perfect me? It can't. So it can't make me happy, you know. So that's what I mean when I say like Aquinas actually reasons towards these things. And it kind of helps you see them really clearly, you know. So I like that. It is amazing, like, when you talk about art and creating stuff, like, you, you constantly have to battle two things, which is one, I'm the arrogant artist and I know what's best and I, you know... I'm going to create this, you know, once in a lifetime, like I'm so gifted, blah, blah, blah. It becomes arrogant and puffed up. But then you have the other issue of, well, what do the people want? Well, let's look at the stats. Let's look at the videos. Let's look at the counts. And we got to give people what they want. And that's the dangerous side of productivity detached from creativity is you just throw things into the churn and you beg that the masses accept it. 
And then, the, but the mm. other side of it is, you know, how do how does one be true to oneself and still put food on the table as an artist, as someone being creative? You know, it can be in any profession. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you approach it without any level of the virtues, that interior, the interior disposition that come what may, the, these are stable dispositions within my own life that, like, this is what I live from, not what I live for. It prevents you from... Mm-hmm. One, caving into the crowds, and two, uh, exalting myself over and against all comers. And I think mm-hmm. the artists mm-hmm. in, in particular, like, they struggle with that all the time. And, you know, you have someone like Billy, Billy uh, I almost said Billy Graham, Billy Corrigan <laughs> from Smashing Pumpkins, very similar. Um, you know, like, famously, like, ranting against his audience, like, no, I'm not playing that crap. I'm playing my new stuff. I'm not playing the old stuff. I'm not a machine meant to regurgitate my greatest hits. Shut it's up so and cool. listen, you know, and... All this stuff, but yeah. it's like, but then again, right? You like you feel the need of like selling, honoring those, and, and oh, honoring, and yeah, on, yeah. but like all of the above, all of the above, right? Like they, yeah. you can't deny, in a sense, like the the communitarian nature of art and creativity and teaching the faith and doing all these things that it the benefit of someone like we always say I would do it if only one person showed up. I believe in this. I would say this. Yeah. But then at at the same time, no, we wouldn't. It hurts our feelings so much. But <laughs> there's there's so much to weigh and so many different ways that we can kind of that we can kind of look at it that it's just so dangerous without that interior like if if I live for the esteem of others, the stuff I do will not last because other people have different esteems that'll come one mm-hmm. generation later. If I live for my own voice, maybe no one gives a damn what I have to say, but maybe in the next generation you know, after I'm dead and gone, my art will finally be praised or whatever valued. It's like it's too slippery a thing. Did you uh, did you like the forward? Not the forward. Did you like the uh, the kind of the thing I wrote in the beginning to my wife? The dedication. Yeah, let me read it real quick. I have it right here to my very good wife Cameron, who, upon learning during one of my rather dramatic, melancholic, moody spells that I had written a book entitled "How to Be Happy," said, "Wow, you should read that." <laughs> <laughs> We were literally oh, in the my. emergency room. She was dealing with health stuff, and and I said, "Hey, the book's coming out next week. You want to see the front cover?" You know, and she, we didn't know what we were going to call it. She knew I was working on something, and I was just like in this bad funk, you know. That was so. That was really funny. <laughs> so th- that that was like a way to offset the book to be like, "This is not Matt Frad's advice on how to be happy. This is this is what Thomas Aquinas and Aristotle <laughs> said that we all should listen to." Oh man, it's there's a thing that it's in the that Gilmer and I have been talking about and um i'm starting to see that like whatever like as i'm talking about i'm kind of see like what does god want like i'm trying to ask the lord like like what do you want you know and one thing that i'm coming to terms with is that like for one um it there are desires that god puts on our heart and and it's we're the ones who choose that though we're the ones who choose to fall it's ultimately it's an act it's an act of the will you know like and um, and even if we see that God is calling us, it's still us. We have the freedom to choose that. But one that like involves both the resurrection and and the cross. So while I'm, while I'm thinking about these like these uh, like this 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 stuff and how exciting certain things could be or certain other like when I think about like all the cool stuff that like we'd be able to do with our podcast, it's like I need to. It's like it's good to see all the good. But then to understand, like there's been there's been a ton of crosses, and there, and there will be more, and that's just a part of it. 
like how, like how did Aquinas like view like on the suffering in terms, like like that like the happiness where I don't know if you I don't know if you, I have no idea if this is like in your book or not but because like there's no way you can live and escape the reality of both the resurrection and the cross yeah even if you want to deny it as much as you can uh, <laughs> let's see uh what does it say what, what to do, do when you... life hurts Oh, yeah. So there's a bit on that. Yeah. So, I mean, Aquinas addresses things like anxiety and torpor and things like that. And I I, I won't bang on about it if I've already talked about this, but he has five remedies for sorrow. And they're all Mm -hmm. so practical and common sense that they are do something pleasurable, uh, tears and groaning, seek the sympathy of friends, contemplate the truth and sleep and baths. At the same time. Um, and then he gives reasons for each of these that are just like so beautiful. Like, again, it's, it like, sense. Yeah, it's like the wisdom of our – of he says things – I don't know why I keep comparing Aquinas to my mom. <laughs> but like he says things that like my There's mom said. There's a lot said. there, Matt. Yeah, I know. Let's do that. Let's go there. <laughs> um, maybe we can get Bob Schutz on the line. No. Um, uh, I love that, man. Um, you know, like he says – you know, he says because a thing f- – is all the more painful when we keep it shut up, which is just such a like, that's a thing our grandma said to us. You know, just let it out. And it's like it dis- the pain dissipates through our tears in a physical manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. And he also says because like when a man feels the need to act in a way that is contrary to how he really feels, this is this is dis- this is unpleasing, displeasing to him. So it's better to act how you feel. So if you're sad, you should act in a way that's sort of. Um, it's amazing when you read the Iliad and the Odyssey how often the manliest men on the face of the earth, stout warriors, cried. Yeah. You know, they did not, like, grieving was a part of, or um, tears was a part of the grieving process for their friends that passed. And yeah. when difficulties burdened them, when they thought of their wives at home when they were 10 years, you know, on the siege of Troy, you know, that was a part. But it really, it was actually... <laughs> a fairly common part of I'm thinking of uh, Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation talking to his basketball team that he's coaching that there are two acceptable occasions to cry at a funeral and at the Grand Canyon <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh I love that one I love it um and then he introduced that pyramid thing. Yeah, like that's that. right. Capitalism. God's way of proving who is smart and who is poor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh good times. But yeah, like the, uh, the oh, God, Matt, you just totally no, 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 sent me off. One. Now another I'm like one. all I'm thinking no, I'm of is like, <laughs> <and Reckon. laughs> No, I'm done. Yeah. You ruined it. No, tears, tears, tears. Yeah. And then sleep in baths. Like, that's another thing we kind of tend to do in the church. Like, if the world picks something up and runs with it, we become allergic to it. We yes. become maybe too suspicious of it. So when the world picks up self-care, we're like, screw self-care. Push yourself to the limits. Hate yourself. Hate your body. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's kind of what Aquinas is talking about. He's like, we are – the body isn't something we have. It's something we are, and you should take good care of it. Because if you're in pain, taking good care of your body is to take good care of you, obviously in an appropriate sense where you're not shunning your responsibilities or, you know, indulging in, in an inappropriate way. But So let yeah. me ask you, let me ask you, uh, a real world scenario. You got a priest who works 14 hours a day doing priestly stuff, right? Who believes, like St. Ignatius when he was younger, 
I ought to punish and drive myself and die at an early age for the sake of the church. Nothing could be better. But he means to wear oneself out, not necessarily be a martyr. What would you say to a priest who is so given over to serving his people that he doesn't sleep, he doesn't eat well, he grabs and goes, there, there is none of that. There would never be a time for a bath. There's barely a time for a shower kind of thing. I, I mean, I think, I don't know where St. Paul talks about like our, our outward self is like wasting away, but our interior self is being renewed day by day. Like if it's really like a charism that the Lord is calling you to expend yourself for your people, it may look exhausting, but you aren't burning yourself out. Like I think that's possible. So I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't want to be too quick to be like, well, no, you shouldn't do that. Cause he's going to burn himself out. Like it sounds like a burn me out real quick, but um you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I've come to really believe that the the greatest way to find rest is to have intimacy with Jesus. I know that for a fact because there are times where I feel tired and I feel in pain, and so I try to do all of the things that seem like a good idea. So, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna work out. I'm gonna have a restful morning. I'm gonna go have lunch with a friend. I'm gonna have a cigar. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna just have a quiet evening. And sometimes that is enough. But I've also found that when I experience intimacy with Jesus in prayer, even if I haven't slept well the night before and I've got a ton of stuff going on, that's actually when I genuinely feel most rested. So I guess that's really only something he, that person can, 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 can answer. However, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about like unhealthy eating habits and things like that, I don't think there's ever a situation where you'd be like, no, good for him. That's what the Lord's calling him to. Chick-fil-A every day. Yeah. I'm really coming around to the idea that like sometimes some of the stuff that we're all probably that we do for our jobs and our careers might not be very helpful because how different some people are. Yeah. You know, so and it's like, like some people like truly could be called to that like for for a season. And I think there's an element of um where just because that person's called to that doesn't mean that I'm like, I'm called to like a busy season right now where like my, mm-hmm. I am insanely, I, this, this is the most busiest I have ever been. It's, it's, it's not even close. Like it's not even remotely close. Um, and, but this is a season that the Lord has clearly opened up these doors. And this is a thing that I am doing. And this is what he's calling me to this right now. And it ends in June of 2023. Is this because of your studies? Yeah, yeah, and just that, and my job, and the podcast. I am completely maxed out. There's just, there's no, you know, there's no room for anything else. I don't even like. I haven't watched. The, I mean, to be honest, with you, the only full game of like a of like a sports game that I've watched has been in like in person. Mm-hmm. I not watch anything on, on TV at all, and um, and I, I I just I think sometimes I think like when. Um, like when like Aquinas is, I'm talking about like those like big ideas, like like those like those like those can um uh, those can um work for all. But I do think that in terms of how we go about um, yeah. living our lives, it is um, situational. You, you know, and there are times when I was less um yeah. busy, and I don't I wouldn't say that I was being I'm lazy. I was saying I was just like, hey, I've got the summer off from school. I don't have to do all that much. I can um travel a bit. I'm single. I can maybe do some service like. That was angle. okay because that's the, that's where I was. Yeah. So, what was that? I said was that single and ready to mingle, uh. but this slight delay makes my joke not funny. Uh. <laughs> so I can do in-person interviews. I still think you guys need to move to each one of your towns, set up a studio. I'll help you. Um, it would just be so beautiful. I, I agree. Luke lives in the shittiest part of America. 
No, he doesn't. He's in Ohio. Uh, exactly. It's fantastic. It's, you move here. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I have no Enjoy community there. Rugged individualism, Gomer. <laughs> now Houston is awesome. I mean, no, it's not. Houston's ugly as hell. What am I talking about? Te- oh, Texas, about is, Texas is great. Texas is great. Texas oh, is the reason. I like Texas. Um, so have you been to Cross Creek at all recently? I don't know. Me? Him? You. I don't know what that is. Oh, Matt. Ah. It's the greatest bar in the world. Where is it? It's, it's in outside Cross of Creek Mingo Township. Junction, middle of nowhere. Is it close to Franciscan? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Steubenville? A, yeah. I couldn't tell you how to get there, but I know how to get there. <laughs> it's, it's You drive down Main Street until Main Street has a big house that makes it – uh, the street go different ways, and you go left. Yeah, that's and, the, then you oh, left. and then and then you drive down a forested road that, in the description <laughs> of Michael Blaisdell, who said, "You know, one day I fully expect to see a woman hanging from one of these trees." Oh. And I was like, "What?" And he goes, "While wearing a bridal gown." And I was like, "Oh, oh my god!" He's like, "Doesn't this place remind you of a nightmare you had?" And I was like, "Good God, man!" And that was on the way you to went the really bottom. dark. Then. Yeah, I got really dark. But it's also where they filmed Deer Hunter. So uh, you go back in Mingo Junction on the zigzaggy road, and then all of a sudden yeah. you see a little bit bigger than You're a double wide bridge. Yeah, yeah, way too narrow. Do me a favor if you don't mind, email or text it to me, and I'll, I would love to hit it up. I I am thrilled that I live in Steubenville, Ohio. <laughs> We're gonna do a live show there at some point in time. Oh out my at gosh, Freak. Uh, Luke, Let's actually, actually, it. now that I have you guys on the phone. I'm going to be in the area, so I'm doing Supervilleville Main Campus Five, Ooh. which is, and I'm doing Supervilleville Mid America, and they're the uh, opposite weekends. So we're going to drive up to St. Louis, then we're going to drive to Ohio and see everyone. And the goal is to stay in the Supervilleville area. Oh man, that's awesome! Yes, Supervilleville over the summer is the best. It, it is. It is. It's the best. I love. Well, I, I would. I love I, some of them. I'm working on getting another microphone and another chair set up. So it would, uh, if you guys are around, be cool to unless it's sure. yeah. August. But mm. love to. Have I you really on. like the building that you're into. Oh, I think it so looks awesome. really cool. I, I saw all all of your videos. I, I, I love what you're doing. I Thank think it's you. really good. Yeah, I do too. It's real I think fun. It's cool. It's just a lot of good people. I just I love all these people here so much. Do you have a lot of students? Yeah. Any students helping interning? Do you do that at all? Um, so really the main work I need is like video editing and then, um, running the cameras. Mm-hmm. Like I just did a, a Pines with Aquinas conference the other night. Scott gave a talk. Um, but you want it to be consistent, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. people yeah, yeah, said yeah. to me, like, why don't you just get college students? But it's like, okay, is this, is this someone who's always available <laughs> who, if at the drop of a hat, you know, someone's in town, Hey, I want you to come in. Probably not. So okay, I'm going to need several university students. I'm going to have to kind of teach them all of it. And then it'll all look slightly different. And yep. Yep. it was just easier to hire a Catholic Jamie. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, I think too, they're, they're, I mean, listen, I love, I'm Franciscan. Like, don't get me wrong, but I, not everything that's Catholic in Superville has to be Franciscan. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to be separate you know? from it. Yeah. Yeah. I, because there, I, I love it too, of, but yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, um, it's on our list of places that Aaron and I would go to if the right thing popped up, mm-hmm. just because there's a lot of people there that like we know. And I know people who have like, you know, considered, you know, like, um, um, you know, I, 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 I kind of told her, like, if Brian Kissinger, like, if, you know, he moves back and if other, you know, I'm like, that could, for me, that could kind of be the thing that kind of goes, hey, maybe, like, I just, I just have so many friends who are there. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why no, want to be Catholic? I'm community. Like, why not? And what's cool about Superville is it's like you drive one side to the other in eight minutes. You drive more than that, you're out of the town. And um, <laughs> so many people live within that eight minutes that's, 
It's just that's why getting rid of a car is actually not even. It's not all that implausible anymore because yeah. I could walk yeah. to work. I can, you know. Yeah, I mean, you were built in a community um, that was built in the 1920s when very few people owned vehicles, and so it had to be. The homes are all closer to the roads. Yeah. You know, the things are all. You know, it was built to be walking distance, right? The, mm. Or or biking. Mm-hmm. You know, cycling. So. The fact that we don't build our homes and neighborhoods like that means that, it, I mean, it's, it's think, people don't think about that. It's like we are structurally set up to be alienated from each other. Wrap yourself <laughs> in a steel box on wheels, park in a parking lot at a shopping center that mandates X amount of spaces so you can't even have businesses near each other. Um, you know, like all the, everything's just so big and spread out when if you just slapped all these things together, it would be a totally different experience of, of community, yeah. family, all this stuff. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, can we are do uh, you have to go? I have to go at one. Go yeah. Like okay. I said, guys, everything, everything is falling apart. Everything that I have been building. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy that. God, I love working. Hey, Matt, do you have like uh, two minutes? Can I just tell you yeah. a thing? I just want to get like your I'd love on. that. Yeah. All right, see ya. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Bye, Gomer. Bye, Gomer. Oh, thank fuck, he's gone. No, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) And I'm going to stop the recording there. (laughs)